This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. So true. We need each other to survive. Well, I am so happy to be with you again because you know I love you. You remind me so much of my sweet church in Ghana that I just always feel so at home when I'm here. That same spirit of love and warmth, the kind that you're supposed to feel when you come to church. Amen. I mean, didn't you feel it, Dana? Two of my friends are here, Sharia and and Dana, and they're nodding in agreement because we know we've been around. So we know the different atmospheres you can walk into in church. So thank you. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for being godly. Thank you for reflecting God as he is in all his beauty, majesty, compassion, mercy, grace, and love. And thank you for that anointed time of worship. Oh, I was so excited. Weren't you excited this morning? Didn't you feel the Holy Ghost clapping his hands with us this morning? I did. Oh, my God. Amen. So if you don't mind, I just want to continue in an attitude of worship before I share with you what I have to share with you. Is that okay? All right. In the beauty of your holiness, I see you as you are. In the beauty of your holiness, my bright and morning star, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. worship you in the beauty of your holiness I find myself alone in the beauty of your holiness I bow before your throne and worship you You are 
awesome. You are awesome. The beginning and the end. Savior, God, and Lord. Yet you're my friend. And I worship you. I worship you. What can I do but worship you? Lord, I worship you. I worship you. What can I do but worship you? In the beauty of your holiness, I see you as you are, and worship you. sing that with me once I worship you I worship you what can I do what can I do but worship you but worship you I worship you What can I do but worship you, Lord, I worship you, I worship you, what can I do but worship you? What can I do but worship you? Hallelujah. Don't you worship him this morning? In the beauty of his holiness, he is Lord, he is God, he is King, he is Savior, he is awesome, he is glorious, he is magnificent, full of grace and glory, loving and compassionate to thousands of generations. He is Lord, he is Lord of all, he is healer, he is a restorer, he is a deliverer, he's a provider, he's all that we need and he's worthy, worthy, worthy of our worship. Oh, we hallow you this morning, oh God. We bless you, we worship you. We give you glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We cry holy, 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 holy unto you. Lamb of God, thank you. We bless you this morning. And we choose to sit at your feet this morning. Holy Spirit, come and teach us. 
Let it be all of you and none of me this morning. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to us in another way that we haven't seen. Open our eyes of our understanding and impart your word to us. Let it be something that transforms our lives as our minds are renewed and grounded in you. In Jesus' holy and matchless name, amen and amen. Well, be seated if you can. Bless the name of the Lord. God is so juicy, ain't he? He's just juicy. Oh, I just enjoy his presence. I just enjoy it. You know, it's like when you, when the Holy Spirit just swoops in, I mean, he lives inside of us all the time, but I think there are moments where he just, it just feels so good what we're doing to him that he just releases himself in another dimension and we sense his presence even more. And it's just wonderful, isn't it? It's a refresher. It's a renewal. It will revive and restore your soul. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I heard that it's Women's Month around here, but you know I'm not going to neglect the men, right? I'm going to tell a women's story, but don't worry, fellas, it applies to you too. I want to talk a little, because we're talking about reconnection, I want to talk to you about the power of association. Because I think sometimes we overlook the power of who we walk with, what that does to impact our lives. So, I, um, I, you know, my pastor, he's so sweet. I just love him. His name is Pastor Nathan Annaby. You can follow him on IG. He's just precious. I'm sure that if him and, and Pastor Mona and, and Don got together, that we would just never be able to, we wouldn't be able to separate them. They've got that same spirit, you know. And he's such a great teacher, but every now and then he does this thing where he'll call me and say, I think you should preach this morning. I'm like, no, because he's so good. I feel intimidated, you know? And he said, I want you to preach on uh, Ruth chapter one. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I preach that for the singles all the time. God said, no, go look at it again. Because you know, the word is alive and unfolding and it never means the same thing. When you look at it again, you say, I never saw that before, right? And so I went back to the book of Ruth and, and I was just really marveling at the fresh revelation that God was giving me, not from a single point of view, but from a holistic point of view for the entire body of Christ. And, and just to, to give you a short synopsis, because that's not what I want to talk about this morning. I actually want to move to chapter two, which he then called me the next week and said, that was so good. I think you should preach again. Why don't you do chapter two? So that's where I'm landing with you today. But a couple of things came up in, in, in chapter one that I thought were very significant um, in the names that were used in the story. And, you know, God is very strategic. Um, every single word that he's written in the word means something. It has been intricately placed on purpose with a specific purpose for him to for you to receive a revelation from it. And so, you know, you should never overlook it when you read it. When, that's why it says meditate day and night on the word. Chew on it. Because that one scripture will come alive in 10, 20 different ways if you chew on it long enough and unpack it. And so in that story, you know, they lived in the land of Canaan and Canaan means the land of promise. Well, it says when the judges ruled, there was a famine and the judges were significant of the flesh ruling. And whenever our flesh rules, we will always have a sense of famine. 
we will never have enough. There will always be something else that we want. Because when it says God cannot be tempted, I asked God one day, why are you not tempted? He said, because everything that I desire is already within me. So there's nothing outside of me that tempts me because everything I want and desire is already contained within me. And when we get to the place where we know that God dwells in us and that everything we need and everything we desire is already within us, we will not be tempted by external stimuli. Okay. And so basically they lived in the land of Canaan, but they decided there was a famine. And so they decided to move from the land of promise in Bethlehem, which meant house of bread. So that was God's constant provision in Judah, which meant praise and worship. So when we, when we generate uh, gratitude, we will always see the supply. You see, when you start to, to walk in an attitude of gratitude, you see the present graces that you have. And they become larger than what the enemy is telling you you don't have. But if you're allowing the flesh to rule, your spirit man's eyes are closed, and you stop being grateful, and it leaves you in a state of lack and wanting. And so they left. Now, Elimelech was the head of the household. Elimelech means God is sovereign. And yet the sovereignty of God got lost in this moment when the flesh was ruling. He, he failed to remember that God was still in charge of their lives. And he took charge and they went down to a place called Moab. Now, Moab was not just enemy territory, but Moab meant land short of the promise. Now, how are you going to go from the promise to the land short of the promise? But that's what impatience will do when God isn't moving fast enough in the way we want him to do things, how we want him to do things, with who we want him to do things with. We sense famine and we move from promise to a place short of the promise. Now, they had two sons, Malin and Chilean. Malin and Chilean meant sick, weakly and dying. Weak, sickly and dying. Now, they moved to Moab. Not only did they move to enemy territory, they compromised even further by marrying Moabite women, which was not supposed to take place because God was so disgusted by Moab that he had told the people not to even pray for Moab. They were not allowed into um, Jerusalem or any place because God considered them unclean. Now that should make you shout because Ruth was a Moabite and ended up in the lineage of Christ. And so if you feel unclean today, know that God still has mercy, grace, and compassion to extend to you and pull you into the lineage of his promise. So they compromise. Elimelech dies. Um, Malin and Chilean bury Moabite women. Guess what? They die too. Remember, they were running to escape death and ran straight into death. Those who seek to save their lives will lose it. But those who seek to lose their lives will save it. And so this is the back story of where I'm going today. If it was a television show, an announcer would say, last week, in last week's episode, Ruth and Naomi and Orpah found themselves in a very difficult place. Their husbands had all died, and they were figuring out what to do. And then Naomi heard that they were still eating where she came from. Oh, 
if you'll just stay where God put you. He will provide for you. Remember the Israelites wandering for 40 years? It says the soles of their shoes didn't even wear out. Now I've had to reduce some soles of shoes. 40 years they walked in those shoes. And God covered those shoes. If you'll just stay where God put you and wait on him. He will provide, he will sustain, he will keep you, and he will surely deliver his promise. Naomi found out they were still eating and everybody was okay, so she decided, well, there's nothing left for me here. My husband's gone, my, my sons are gone. I'm going to go back where I came from. I'm going to go back to the house of bread. I'm going to go back to God's provision. And so she told Ruth and Orpah, and they said, we're going with you. Well, then Naomi says, hold up a minute now. Before you go, I need to make you understand something. If you go with me, you're not getting married again. Because why? The Moabites were enemies. Nobody was going to touch them. She said, if I birthed sons, are you going to wait for them to grow up so you can marry them? I don't think so. That's the only way you're going to get married if you go with me. And on that note, Orpah raises a Pentecostal finger and excuses herself from the mix. She says, I think I'll just stay here. And I always tell the single people, well, if the pursuit of a husband is all you've got on your mind, we won't hear from you again because we never heard from Orpah again. <laughs> okay, that's a whole other sermon, ain't it? Okay, that's a whole other sermon. I have to come back for a singles weekend or something. But Ruth said, I'm not going anywhere. Don't ask me to leave you. I am going with you. Where you die, I will die. Uh, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I am going with you. Where you go, I will go. We're talking about the power of association this morning. But I wanted to do that backdrop because, you know, association comes out of things that you go through together. When you weather storms together with people, it creates a tighter bond. And so here is Ruth. Ruth and Naomi both suffered loss. They both suffered disappointment. They both suffered heartbreak. And yet they were bound together by these things that they suffered. And Ruth had no thought of how to preserve her own life at this point. All she knew was that she was going to be responsible for her mother-in-law. She was going to walk with her. She was not going to let her take that trip back to Bethlehem by herself. She knew that was a dangerous trek for Naomi, an older woman. And she said, no, I'm going with you. You need to look at somebody next to you and say, I'm going with you. No matter what's happening, I'm going with you. Because there's strength in numbers. It says that a thousand will put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. Ruth knew something about the power of association. Now, I want to read this, this chapter to you, but you know, I found this out personally. When I moved to Ghana, I went to an event and they were cutting off the amount of people who were going in. And um, so when I got up there, they said, well, Sorry, no more people can come in. And I said, oh, wow. And I came all this way, and they said, well, who are you? I said, well, I'm Michelle Hammond. They don't know me as McKinney in Ghana. So I said, I'm Michelle Hammond. Hammond who? I said, well, my father is George Hammond. They said, oh, right this way. You see, the association of a name, the association of who my father was, 
gave me entree to a place that I didn't have access to previously. Now, I have a family member that is the Prime Minister of Barbados. And uh, she came to Ghana uh, for Independence Day uh, a few months ago. And there was someone in government I had been trying to track down for a project that I wanted to present to him. And I had called and called, no answer, no answer, no answer. Well, I'm sitting in her hotel room, you know, sitting there visiting her when he comes in. And he says, oh, what are you doing here? I said, oh, she's my cousin. He goes, oh, really? Here's, I said, I've been trying to call you. Here's my number, call me. This is my personal number, call me. The power of association. You gotta know who you're walking with and who they give you entree to, amen? So now I want to read this chapter to you and I, I want you to clock in and we'll go back and unpack it so that you can see what I'm talking about and how this works. Ruth chapter two says, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. There's nothing wrong with having a wealthy and influential family member. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, this is after they had arrived back into Bethlehem and people, all her friends were still there and they had said, is that Naomi? And Naomi was probably looking a little worse for wear and they were still fat and plump because they'd been eating. And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, which meant sweet and pleasant. She said, call me Mara, which meant bitter. She says, for I went out full and I've come back empty. The Lord has dealt severely with me. Now, isn't it interesting? She went out sweet and came back bitter. She went out full and came back bitter. She went out full and came back empty, excuse me. And she said, the Lord. Now, did the Lord send her to Moab? You know, Proverbs says that a man makes foolish choices and then blames the outcome on God. God's not responsible for everything. Sometimes we are. Actually, most of the time we are. Because he's given us his word, which is supposed to give us sense. But when we don't utilize the word and we decide on worldly wisdom versus divine impartation, we end up in trouble. She said, the Lord has dealt severely with me. The Lord had not dealt severely. Her circumstances had been severe because of the choices that they made. Now, we don't know if she told Elimelech they shouldn't go or not, but she went with her husband, and this was the outcome of the trials. But now they're back, and they've settled in, and they're trying to figure out how to live. And so Ruth decides to take matters into her hands, and she says, let me go out to the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it, because there was a law that they could go and pick from the leftovers in the fields to provide for those who had none. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened... She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Let me tell you, God will order your steps. When we are surrendered to him, you will find yourself in some places where you did not expect to find yourself. And some amazing things will happen in those places and you'll say, look at God. 
And I believe that God just loves to do that, to just show off. You know, God is a big show off. And I love it when he shows off. I'm like, show off some more, Jesus. Amen. So she just happens. But did she really just happen? She just happens to end up in Boaz's field. And while she's there, Boaz arrived, of course, and greets the harvesters and says, the Lord be with you. And they say, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz asked his foreman, who that be? <laughs> who is that young woman over there and who does she belong to? Mm. Single ladies, I keep trying to tell you, wait to be found, wait to be found. He saw her. Okay. And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. Okay. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. And she's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. So Boaz goes over to Ruth and says, listen, my daughter, stay right here. Now, see, ladies, single ladies, I'm, 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 I got to fold in some single stuff here. Single ladies. Let the man tell you his intention. Let him tell you, stay in my field and don't go to any other field. He, she said, he said to her, stay right here with us when you gather. Don't go to any other field. Stay behind the young women working in my field and see which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them because I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. Remember, she was a Moabite, so she was open prey. No one would have said anything if anyone had assaulted her or raped her. And so he warned them, don't touch this one. Hey, now see, single ladies, are you getting this? help yourself to the water he didn't want to stay at her apartment he didn't want to borrow money from her he said help yourself I'm making provision for you I'm giving you water and I'm gonna feed you some lunch amen okay end of single a single lesson back to association Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I am only a foreigner. She knew she was not entitled to anything that he was offering. And he said, yes, I know. But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law. Association. Since the death of her husband, I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, again, association, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she said. You've comforted me by speaking to me so kindly, even though I'm not one of your workers. And then at mealtime, Boaz called and said, come over and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the wine. And so she sat with the harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. And she ate all she wanted and still had leftovers. Don't worry, I'm coming back to unpack this. 
When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, saying, let her gather grain among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some extra heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth, excuse me. So Ruth gathered barley there all day and she beat out the grain that evening and it filled an entire basket. And she carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. And Naomi said, where did you gather all of this today? And who helped you? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, I worked in the field of a man named Boaz. And she said, may the Lord bless him. He's showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband because he's one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. And then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with the harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. The entire harvest. See, God's not going to give you little portions. He's got an entire harvest ready for you. And so Naomi said, good, do as he said, and stay with his young women in the field. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. Association. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley season. And um, then she continued working with them throughout the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, it's been said, scientifically proven, that your circle of your three closest friends will reflect what your life will look like. I see some folks saying, ooh. (laughs) I think I need to switch up some friends. (laughs) Amen. But birds of a feather flock together. Have you noticed rich people hang out with rich people? And what do they do? They get richer. Why? Because they're exchanging ideas on how to get rich. Poor people stay together. And what happens? What they say, the rich get richer and the poor stay poor. Amen. And so you should always have someone in your circle that's doing better than you so that you keep coming up. Amen. Now, we have different types of associations. And if you look at this chapter, there's a lot of different associations. There's the association with God. We have an association with the Holy Spirit, or we should. I lean on the Holy Spirit daily to order my steps, to tell me where to go. Sometimes I'm just walking, and he says, you know, turn right right here. And I go, really? But I'm going this way. And I say, oh, I am arguing with the Holy Ghost. Let me go. And I go the way he says and run into an opportunity or someone that I needed to see. So we have to be very sensitive. And I believe that we are in an hour where this is critical, that we be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we be more in tune with God than ever before. There is so much going on, so much going on. I remember the last time I was here, I went to Lenox Square to shop. The next day, someone was there with a gun. You know, and it could have been me. You understand? But sometimes, you know, have you ever been some, you're going, you're going somewhere, and all of a sudden you go, you know, I don't think I want to go there. And then you hear later that you avoided something. 
This is the hour. This is the day. It is so critical and so crucial that you stay prayed up and sensitive to the voice of the Lord, that you are in such tight fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He is your closest friend in this hour because he'll say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And so the association with the Holy Spirit is critical. We have family associations, some of them good, some of them bad. We have friends uh, that we're associated with, co-workers. There are social associations, professional, political, financial, casual, passing associates, your school teachers, pastors, your church family, your life partner, lots of different associations. And you need to know the order and the priority in which those things fall in your life because associations are critical. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be fooled by those who say a whole bunch of foolish stuff because bad company corrupts good character. Amen? Your association will affect your reputation and your reputation will affect your ability to access places and people to get you where you want to go in life. You can be guilty or good by association. The first thing that we see in this chapter is her reputation. Ruth's reputation preceded her. It says that Boaz was a family member. So it was a good association. He was uh, um, affiliated with her father-in-law. Amen. And so it gave her a special form of access because of that. He was a family redeemer. Amen. But... When he said, who is that? The people had a report about her. Do you have to remember that people are watching you? And you'd be surprised by what they take away by what they observe. Amen? And so here it was when he said, who is that? They said, oh, that's that young woman. She came from Moab. And it seemed that Moab wasn't even a negative thing because she, her, her works were so positive that it overruled the negative association of Moab. They didn't dwell on the Moab part. They dwelt on the fact that she had come and forsaken her people to take care of Naomi and was diligent and hardworking. I'm sure Ruth didn't go to the field with makeup on, with eyelashes out to here. None of that. She probably just had a little scarf with her head wrapped back, just comfortable enough to go do. Uh, she was about the business of taking care of Naomi. Her focus was we need food. That's where my focus is. And she wasn't minding the business of anything else. She wasn't getting distracted. And they noticed that. They said she just took one little break, but she's just been diligent about gathering grain to feed her mother-in-law. Reputation. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. I love the word of God. I love the things that it uses to, to paint a picture. Costly perfume lingers in the air long after you're gone. As a matter of fact, it can identify you. If people know that that's your fragrance and you've left the room and they come into the room and your fragrance is still lingering, they'll say, Oh, Shirley's been here. I can smell her in the air. The way you live your life, the way you touch people, the things you say, the works of your hands are all costly perfume. They linger long after you're gone. They impart an impact more than who you think. And so it's very important to have the right essence in your life, to release the right 
perfume in your life, the right scent. Amen? A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. It lingers long after you're gone. And in this case, they were talking about her in such a good way. He said, wow, he was impressed by that. And so he invited, he said, well, take care of her, cover her. Because she was giving, she received what she was giving. Amen? There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Amen? The right association will make provision for your life. Matthew 6.25 says that when we're associated with God, that God will provide for us. Amen? Because aren't you more valuable than the birds that he feeds? He says, can all your worries add to a single moment of your life? Jehovah Jireh is your provider. Don't worry about if you have enough food or drink. He will provide. Amen? The right association also brings about protection. Amen? When I was hanging out with my cousin and we were going to uh, the events for, in Ghana for Independence Day, I got to ride, you know, with the officials. And all along the way, they had these motorcycles on the side and, and, and you know, security men. And Wow, I felt so safe and so important. You know, we were swinging past everybody else and entering into places others couldn't go. And that's what the right association will do. It gives you, it gives you protection. It gives you security. Luke 10, 19 says that we are given the power to tread on serpents and scorpions because of our association with God and the overall power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. What did Boaz say to the young men in the field? Don't hurt her. Don't mess with her. Protect her. The right association. I remember when I was in school, when I first came from Barbados, and I moved to this place. It was the ghetto. I didn't know it was the ghetto. Ain't it funny when you're kids, you don't know you po. You know, but I, I was I went to the school and they were really rough. And I had this this very heavy Bajan accent. You know, I came from Rihanna land and. Uh, at the time, I had that same accent that she had. See, I can still do it. And so they said, oh, this little funny girl, you know, and I, I had a little gap in between my teeth and I wore glasses and I was kind of skinny and funny looking. So they used to pick on me and bully me every day after school. And so there's this big guy, his name was Ronald Alexander. And I used to call him Ronald Alexander because we were little and couldn't talk straight. And so one day they were getting ready to beat me up and Ronald Alexander showed up. And he said, don't touch her, she's my cousin. And everybody froze. He, he said, I'm gonna beat up the first person to touch her. She's my cousin. And they all backed off and everybody kind of was reverential. And nobody messed with me from that day on. I think one person tried one day and I went, Ronald, they went. <laughs> Protection by association. Hallelujah. God watches over us and when we walk with certain people, there's a protection in our lives, amen? The next thing that the right association gives us is favor. 
Amen. Proverbs 835 says, whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Boaz extended favor to her. He said, feed her, give her water. And by the way, drop a couple extra nuggets for her. Make sure that she has everything she needs. That's what association does for us. There's a reward with association. Amen. It's impossible to please God unless we believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When he places us in the company of the right people, those people, you know what I always tell people, my wealth is in my friends. They are my great reward. I treasure each of them and I see each of them as gifts from God, as kisses from God, because they are there for me. I mean, Dana just moved here from Atlanta. So y'all just, just, I want, I'm just giving him to you guys. He is so special. And Sharia hasn't moved. Uh, she's been here maybe a year or two, right? She came from New York working at Essence Magazine. We met there and we've just been joined at the hip ever since. But you know, these, they are precious to me. They're kisses from God to me. They watch over me. They watch. If I'm coming anywhere, they're there. You see, they're here this morning, right? They are here for me and I'm there for them. And so there's a favor that comes when we're associated with the right people. There's a reward that comes into your life through those people from God. And you need to be aware of it. Don't let it pass you by. Sometimes we take things so for granted in life, but we are living in a time when people are leaving here, number one, swiftly, unexpectedly. I think I've lost about 30 people in the last two years. I mean, as, 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 as early as two days ago, it continues. And so I don't take people for granted anymore. I make sure I reach out. I make sure I let people know I love them, that I appreciate them, that, you know, they, they are close to my heart because you never know. God wants us to enter into a joy, a place of fulfillment and peace in him. When we're in association with him and we're walking with the right people that he's assigned into our lives. I believe that every person in our life is an assignment. Amen. Ruth was assigned to Naomi and she understood her assignment. You need to understand your assignment in the lives of those you associate with. Amen. Because it will ultimately bring about abundance. It will bring about access. It will bring about safety. The word of God is so powerful. It says that when we're associated with God, nothing can rob us. The thief comes to kill and destroy, but he comes that we might have life more abundantly. He gives us access. He says, I've given you access to all things, not just this, not just that, but to all things, all that the father possesses, we have access to. You know, when my father died, the last line of his will was so powerful to me. It said, Whatever my possession, no matter what it is or where it is, it belongs to my daughter, Michelle. Powerful. And it reminded me that it is the Father's good pleasure to give us all things. He gives us access when we're in alignment with him and in alignment with those he's assigned us to. And there's safety in that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into, and we are safe. You know, sometimes you're watching a baseball game 
and all the bases are loaded. Sometimes the bases are loaded in your life. It feels like everything is hanging on one last throw. And that ball gets thrown and the batter is up and he cracks it and he starts running for his life. And everybody on every base is running for his life. And someone in the outfield catches that ball and throws it towards the umpire. And you're going, oh my goodness, is he going to make it? And he's running and he's running. And he slides in the home base just as the umpire catches it. And he's got to say, safe. Sometimes you feel like that in life. You feels like you're running for your life. And you don't know if you'll make it. But at the end of the day, Jesus raises his arm and says, safe. The enemy can't outrun you. The enemy can't steal your ball. The enemy can't do anything. You are safe. I have set you above and not beneath. I have made you the head and not the tail. You are victorious. You are not a victim. You are safe because of your association with me. I am the vine. You are the branches, Jesus says. The greatest association of all is that it should make you fruitful and productive in your life. Ruth was able to glean from that field because of her association with Naomi and her association with Boaz. It made provision for her. And in the end, you know the end of the story. She ends up marrying him and producing a baby that is in the lineage of Christ himself. Oh my gosh, the power of association. Our ability to be fruitful when we're surrounded by the right people, when we're walking with the right sisters and brothers in our lives, they should be helping you produce fruit. They should be helping you be more productive on a daily basis. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The lack of association disassociates us from being productive and fruitful. No man, no woman is an island. We need one another. He, they sang it. I need you. You need me. Yes? I need you to survive. I do. I need you. You need me. There's no getting away from that. Pride should never shut us down and make us think that we can do anything on our own. Your ability to produce will only happen as you associate with others. It will make you fruitful. It will germinate ideas in your mind that you didn't even think of. And then they'll champion you across the finish line. You need those cheerleaders. You need those people that can say, yes, you can when you're wondering if you can. Your association with God should affect your association with others. And this is what I want to just hone in on for a minute. Sometimes we are too conditional in our associations. Just be there. Naomi had nothing to offer Ruth. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And yet Ruth decided, I'm assigned to you, and I'm going to follow through on it. And if when you die, I die. She, saw, she, she even said she saw no reward, actually, but she was still going with Naomi. And look at what God did in her life because of it. She got more than she imagined. She got redeemed by a wealthy older relative's. And, and was grafted into the family tree of Christ. 
That is our reward. When we choose to associate not out of selfish motivation, not out of establishing personal empires, but doing the work that it takes to build the kingdom of God side by side with our brothers and our sisters. Your association with others will hinder or promote your progress. And when it says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, trust me, you can be unequally yoked with believers. If your values are not in alignment, you don't have the same vision, that yoke will break as well. So be careful. Measure your associations. Go to God and say, what is my place in this person's life? What is my assignment with this brother? What is my assignment with this sister? And stay true to that, even when they're not responding as you would like them to. You see, associations can't be connected to your personal expectations. They will always fail you. But go into it open-handed, believing that God will reward you for fulfilling your assignment in that person's life. When we look through the history of God, we see the different associations and what they birthed. Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. What a powerful association. I believe Enoch was not before he left the earth. Enoch was transformed by his walks and association with God before he was taken. Amen. Elisha walked with Elijah and got a double portion. Joshua walked with Moses and was able to walk people into the promised land. Ruth walked with Naomi and ended up in the lineage of Christ. Esther walked with Mordecai and became a queen. Are you with me? Do you see where I'm going when I talk about association? Who they walked with had a direct impact on who they became. Who are you walking with? Examine your associations. What is the fruit of their lives? What do you see them producing? What do you want to produce? That is the question. And so I encourage you this morning, check your associations. Put them before God and say, who needs to be weeded out of this mix? Who needs to be added in? But most of all, make sure that your association with God himself is intact, that it's tight, that there are no holes and crevices in it, because he will always let you know what you need to know in every given moment concerning your associations. You know, some people you're close to, they don't need to know everything. Hello? And you'll be in the middle of a conversation of God to say, don't tell them that. And it's not so much that they have an evil intent. It just might not be information they have the capacity to handle. You see? And so God knows these things. And so that's why the association first has to be with him and then allow him to guide all the other associations and your interaction with those associations. So I want to just encourage you. I'm so glad that you're in this church because this is a good association. And I pray that the sweetness I sense in the sanctuary is real and genuine and it follows you out the door and doesn't just exist here. Amen. So now if you just bow your heads with me, I want to close. Father, today I just want to pray. 
I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for the leaders. I want to pray that their associations will be pure, authentic, transparent, godly, pure, and sweet. And I pray, Lord, that as the head ministers to the body, that like the oil came down Aaron's beard, that it would flow down to the congregation and that there would be a strength in the midst of this place. Amidst those who are members here, that their association with one another would produce sweet and abundant fruit. Fruit that makes you smile. Fruit that feeds others and blesses them. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name.